So, John, if you could bring one impractical thing on a road trip across the Australian outback, what would you bring? Mm, you. I was hoping you wouldn't go there. Okay, John, <laughs> please explain to me why I'd be impractical across the Australian outback. Oh, you'd be hugely impractical. What would you be bringing to the table? Like, basic survival skills? Yeah. Mm. I don't, I've been on road trips. Sun cream? <laughs> well, possibly. Hey, you, your feet cannot talk. Your, reason- but your face cannot talk. Well, well, right now? <laughs> have you done a mirror recently? I mean, I, I've been out in the sun today. So. Listeners, it's been 28 degrees here in Britain. It's mm-hmm. been a tough time for all of us. Yeah, none but, of us are cut off for this. But John, on the other hand, he, he, you're struggling on to life, really. Well, okay, I may be a little bit pale, mm-hmm. you know. Not anymore. Sus- not anymore, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, your feet the other day made me literally scream in horror. I was wearing after sun. All right, it Calm looked, down. It looked pretty bad. It looked yeah. pretty ropey. I can't. See, the point is, I know how to take care of myself on, a, on, on, on the small occasion I burn myself. Also, I have learned, put sun cream on your feet, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I've never thought about it before. Mm-hmm. I've never burnt before. Well, I'm glad you've learned that lesson. Last year it was my face. This yeah. year it's my feet. Next year, we'll see. Yeah, what's, what's left? Something in between. <laughs> Something in between. <laughs> <laughs> Guess it depends on the beaches. Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels and spin-offs to films that don't have any. I'm Harry and joining me as always is John. Hello. And this week we are doing Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh, I'm glad you read it out like that. Well, how good you know? You not? have to, yeah. <laughs> okay, so John, you picked this one. Before I did. We, before we start pitching sequels to it, tell me about this film. Why did you choose it and stuff? Well, this has definitely been on my list for a while. Mm-hmm. Again, it's one of my all-time favourites and I was just waiting it's, for the... It's very much been on my list as well. Mm-hmm. Not my list of what to do, my list of like... Films I very strongly reckon that John is going to pick. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously. Uh, had you seen it before? No. Okay, I didn't think you had. And I'd, yeah, it's one I've really wanted to introduce to you. But I was waiting for the right time. Mm-hmm. And outside of this podcast, you and I host a monthly pub quiz at our local quiz, the Chemic Tavern. And so tomorrow, we're actually at time of recording, we are going to be doing a quiz on RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm-hmm. So I thought, what better time? than to introduce Harry to, not a RuPaul-related film, obviously, but to one of the all-time great drag queen movies. Mm-hmm. And also a great Australian movie. Yeah. And just a generally great movie. Is it the movie that coined the phrase, ladies, start your engines? I think it might be. I did. There's okay. a lot that RuPaul has taken from this. Yeah. There's a lot of like catchphrases and you know witty one-liners that have definitely been like nicked. Mm. But I don't know how many are originals of this film. But mm-hmm. that's one of the joys of this film. It is so full of great one-liners. Mm-hmm. I mean, just great dialogue in general. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah. Like, I mean, in the past on this podcast, you have played very fast and loose with the phrase, perfect movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, said, I feel like it's become my thing. Maybe, yeah. I mean, you've said about some films <clears throat> that are certainly, to my mind, not perfect movies. Skyscraper? Exactly. I mean, mm, come on. I'm uh, still, I'm holding strong okay, on that. Okay, fine, fair enough, whatever. The Meg? Didn't you say that was a perfect movie? Oh. Mm, no, I think I demoted that one to, it's exactly what it tried to be. Okay, sure. Mm. I feel like for you, those two things are kind of the same. There's a, it's a blurred line between okay, the two. Sure. I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. I would say this is as close as we've come so far to a movie that I would say <laughs> is a perfect movie. There is 
one thing in this movie that stops it from being a perfect movie, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about when it comes up. I'm sure you picked up sure. on it too. Um, <laughs> some, parts, some parts of this film have aged better than others, let's just say for now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it is certainly one of my all-time favourites. And yeah. watching it back was just pure pleasure for me. And I just love it. I just think it's fantastic. What did you think? Um, I thought it, it was also very great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lo- love the characters in it. Fantastically well written. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see more of it. I just love Australian films. Like I love Australian. a road trip movie. I do. And that's what, you know, I was joking in the intro, obviously. But I also did, this film did make me decide that at some point, maybe my next, like, significant birthday or something, you know, maybe 35, but maybe next year, we'll see how we feel. I really want to go on a road trip. You're not turning 35 next year? No, 34 next year, darling. Yeah, right, 35. So. A long two years away, yes. Okay, long, long, it's a long while, time. It's a while away. Mm-hmm. But at some, yeah, at, at some opportune time, I would love to go on a road trip because I love me a road trip. Mm-hmm. I love like when things go horribly wrong. <laughs> like that time when we were driving back from Wales and we ended up on this hard shoulder for like eight hours. I was having a ball. Mm-hmm. We played stupid games. You were really stressed. Mm-hmm. I loved it. <laughs> was I that stressed? You were a little bit stressed. I mean, you were behind the wheel and you weren't a very confident driver. So, you know. True. Or like when we went to, to the, the Netherlands to go. I like it, like seeing friendships out of... The comfort zone when people start yeah. to like you know rub against each other a little bit and you see other sides of people i love all that it just it just really <laughs> like thrills me so mm-hmm. yeah I want, I want to go on a road trip sometime yes yeah. and this film is like a great road trip film and you just really want to spend time with these characters which is a mark of a really good film for me and yeah i just, I just love australian humor yeah i just think it especially 90s australian humor this <laughs> i don't know what it is there was something in the water in like the mid 90s in australia when well, there were I mean, so many amazing films is this also where uh, muriel's wedding comes into it well i was going to say obviously muriel's wedding you know yeah. came out literally months after this one same okay. year you know both have you know big abba themes in it both mm-hmm. have bill hunter in it you know mm-hmm. the, the dad in muriel's wedding and uh, bill in this uh, bob right. in this okay. yeah ben you know bernadette's love interest yeah yeah he's in both and yeah, just the fact that two films of that quality came out of Australia back to back, and then also Strictly Ballroom came out around this time. Mm-hmm. Australian humour seems to be like quite dark and sarcastic mm-hmm. in a way that I really, really like. Yeah, like this film gets its tone so it could so easily go wrong. It could so easily just be like all oh, really negative stereotypes, mm-hmm. or the characters could be just hateful. Guy Pearce's character. If it was a different actor, it was different writing slightly, different direction, that character could just be hateful. Just like this horrible, obnoxious. But mm. he is so likeable. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, even though he's a complete brat. He's the sort of person you'd want in your friend group, but also wouldn't be your best friend. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's a perfect description. That's an absolutely perfect description. Yeah. <laughs> We've all got one. <laughs> but the tone is so good on this film because it's like... I mean, it's pretty much a fantasy. Like... There are times in this film that is pretty much almost magical realism. Like there's moments mm-hmm. in this film that are just pure non, like literally would not happen in the real world nonsense. Like, mm-hmm. you know. And it's very broad comedy, but every now and again it'll just hit you with like an emotional bit. Yeah. But it works. It's not like the kind of thing where sometimes films like try and get a few tears out of you, and you're like, where did this come from? This isn't that kind of film. You know, mm-hmm. we've all seen those kind of films. Mm-hmm. This film manages to be really funny and also genuinely make you care about the characters. Yeah. And I think that's really hard to do. And it's paced fabulously. Mm. It's like just over 90 minutes. There's very few slow bits. It really just, you know, the moment it kind, The moment it kind of slows down, it's like, boom, here's this other little adventure, this yeah, mini, exactly. mini adventure you didn't see coming. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. really packs a lot into its runtime, but in a way that really works out really well. Yeah. The fact that it's written and directed by a gay man, I think definitely helps because mm-hmm. I feel like it really gets the subject that it's talking about. Mm. Like, you know, it comes from a place of love and it comes from a place where it's not... I mean, the characters are stereotypical in a lot of ways, but they're not like walking stereotypes. They're all, they all feel like human beings. Yeah. 
And again, for a film that came out in like the early 90s, this is like 1994, 1995, it's so progressive. Mm-hmm. Like it talks about all kinds of, not just like gay you know, or, or drag queens. It's, you know, it's, it's got a transgendered character in it, obviously, mm-hmm. who's pretty nicely portrayed, I'd say, on the whole. Mm-hmm. You know, it talks about all kinds of gender fluidity. Like Hugo Weaving's character is obviously, you know, somewhere on the spectrum between gay and straight, you know, mm-hmm. so... I think it touches on all these things that you wouldn't think people were talking about like 25 years ago. Mm. And it does it in a way I think holds up mostly, mostly really, really well. Yeah. ta What do you think? When do we have to return it to the school? We don't. We own it. What? Well, I met some nice Swedish tourists called Lars, Lars and Lars and I coaxed it out of them for 10,000 bucks. We can't afford it. Well, that's right. Mummy, maybe a trip to the outback could help me get over this little phase I'm going through. And you never know, I might meet some lovely country girl. I hereby christen this budget Barbie camper Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. This is going to be the understatement of the century. Okay, well, uh, should we do a plot summary then? So, uh... Priscilla Queen of the Desert came out in 1994, I believe. Well, the adventures of the sorry, the adventures of Priscilla Queen of the Desert, mm. and Priscilla is not a character. Well, Priscilla is not a human character in this film. Priscilla mm. is the bus, yeah, which is great, and who is who is absolutely a character in this film. Oh yeah, totally. But yeah, but the main characters <clears throat> are this trio of drag queens. Well, mm-hmm. two, no, no, yes, yeah, a trio of drag queens. I mean, mm. labels get blurred. Yeah, but we open with Hugo Weaving, who I've realised. He's very distinctive looking, but yes. ever since he's grown out his beard and got a bit older, I always can never tell the difference between him and Sam Neill. Yeah. Constantly confuse the two. Yes, there is a very strong resemblance between those two. Mm. But my God in this, does he look... I don't know what the, the, the word is, but I, I just couldn't see him as anything other than Agent Smith. Oh, from, sure, yeah. From, from The Matrix. <laughs> just, I mean, sort of maybe earlier stuff when his, his face is doing some weirder things. I mean, in that, his face is literally getting stretched around at different points. Sure, sure, sure. But his face is just so weirdly shaped. He's got fabulous eyebrows. Mm-hmm. He has great eyebrows for villainy and drag. Yeah. Like, so <laughs> that's not you there is too. I mean, those two things go hand in hand. Of course, of honest. course they do. Like, a lot of villains are based on drag queens. Yeah. A lot of drag queens are quite villainous. It's great. But... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but that's his natural... Like, if you look at him in other things, he always has those. Those are his natural brows. Mm. So what great casting for a drag queen, because mm-hmm. he already looks a little bit draggy even before you put him in on him. So. Yeah. so we open with him playing in some bar in full drag. as He plays... Tick is his boy name. Mm-hmm. And then his drag name is Mitzi Delbra. They couldn't be more opposite. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Just, they all have really bland boy names. It's like yeah. Tick, Adam, and, well, Bernadette doesn't have a mm. boy name. She like, has a previous boy name. Tick but. feels like the Australian version of, like... You know, Buck or something yeah, like, like, like yeah. that. And mm-hmm. what was this? Felicia's uh, Guy Pierce's one is Adam. No, no. So what was Tick's drag name? Uh, Mitzi Delbra. Mitzi Del. Yeah, I mean, just classic drag. <laughs> classic drag. Great. <laughs> so he's playing at this bar. I, I presume a gay bar. Mm-hmm. I was. I mean, I don't know much about the Australian gay scene. Certainly not in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what those bars were like, but it felt like he was just playing in a like a pool bar. Yeah, like a straight beer swilling. Like all the guys are just playing pool nobody gives a shit what mm. he's doing it's quite sad like he's just doing mm. his performance and I mean that performance it sets the tone for the film yes he's doing um, a song called I've Never Been To Me by Sholly which I'm sure you didn't know but no. uh, it's like this very camp ballad like I've been to Georgia and California and sip champagne on a yacht mm-hmm. it's just it's it's a very silly song mm. and he's doing like a very literal everything he, the lyrics mention he just makes happen yeah so it's like he sings about a baby 
uh, Guy Pearce comes on, hands him a baby, yeah. and then he drops the baby, kicks the baby into the audience. Mm-hmm. There's a bit about boys and like an altar boy comes walking on stage for like the mm-hmm. altar boy is just there to walk on and walk off again. That's mm-hmm. his whole role. It's like it's very involved for this like very low budget looking performance. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he's given this whole performance of this song, this performance, and nobody seems interested whatsoever. And at the end of it, you just see somebody on off stage throws a beer can at him and it hits him in the head and he falls over. Yeah. And so you get the sense that like this is a rough career. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's really going out there into the bear pit every night. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that kind of sets the tone for him and he's kind of obviously Seems a little bit weary of it all. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then there's a weird, the first weird fantasy sequence, which comes back later, where you see him, which I love these fantasy sequences that come in and out of the film. They're so well done. Where you, he gets a call from a mystery woman. Spoiler alert, it's his wife, ex-wife. Yeah. Current wife? I don't think they're divorced. No, his wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's fine. They're separated, but very much amicably. Mm. Clearly, there's no bad blood. They're clearly best friends. Mm-hmm. But anyway, she calls him, and obviously he's not heard of him in a while. And then we go into this fantasy sequence of him in a hospital waiting room. Dressed as a full chandelier. Yes. <laughs> well, no, I, I got the impression that was more of a flashback kind of thing. Do you think he, that's what he was wearing? Like, uh, maybe. I, I, I don't know. Because it was kind of like, it's a boy. That, that was how that scene concluded when, yes. it, when it came back at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, so that was a flashback? I read it as a fantasy sequence, like a dream sequence. But I love, I like your version better. I like the idea that that's just what he was wearing that day. And his wife yeah. was like, oh, I'm in labour, come to the hospital. He's like, shit, I've got no time to change. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, shit, I better get ready. Yeah, because, oh, sure, yeah. The, the, that, the, the, the way that I imagined it in my head was that he, you know, wanted to make an impression or, like, you know, be all ready and dressed up for, you know, his child's first day. With the, but then, I mean, that's not his storyline because when he meets the kid, he's obviously very torn about the fact True. that he's a drag queen, so. Yeah. Maybe. It's a huge costume. It's yeah. like, how would he even get into a taxi with that? I, like, don't, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, I want to see that movie. That, could, <laughs> that, is, that prequel, I don't that's what you've done, but that prequel, it, there's a whole story in that mm-hmm. already. But regardless, so he gets this mystery call from his wife, and it basically involves him going on some kind of trip. Mm. And so then he calls up his friend Bernadette, played by Terence Stamp. Mm-hmm. He phones Terence Stamp quite late at night, or Bernadette quite late at night, and she sounds upset, and he says, well, is, is everything okay? And she says, no, and it t- she says, oh, Trumpet's died. Mm. And then we flash cut to a fantastic drag funeral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... Drag. This is what I want my funeral to look like. I want it to be half like friends and family, half just weeping drag queen, just like dabbing their eyes while dressed in like with veils and black. Like, it's great. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. I'll uh, make some notes for, for the yeah, next. Just hire some in. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Terence Stamp plays Bernadette, who is a transgendered woman. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, probably one of the earliest, earliest like mainstream films to actually portray a transgendered woman, mm-hmm. especially certainly in a way that is very sympathetic and you know very human, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Probably the first time I was. I can't remember, it was either this or maybe, I don't know if I saw this before or after Dana International won Eurovision, who is the Israeli transgendered woman. But um, this could have been the first time I ever knew about what transgendered people were, like mm-hmm. that, it, that it was a thing. So mm. really like, you know, very groundbreaking. It's not fair. I spent half my life and all my savings trying to snag a sympathetic husband. Selfish little shit goes and dies on me. 25 years old. He goes and slips over in a bathroom. He didn't slip. He's peroxiding his hair at home again. He asphyxiated on the fumes. Again, this is where the film is so good because it does that, again, that jump between, like, comedy and tragedy all in one scene because it's, like, you know, it's all very sad. You think, oh, God, it's a, it's a gay film from the 90s. Obviously, this character must have died of AIDS or something. And then the talking, you know, Terence Stamp and Hugo even are talking. It's like, oh God, 25, so young to die. And it's mm. like, can't believe he just fell over in the bathroom. And it turns out he didn't fall over. He was peroxiding his hair and he asphyxiated on the fumes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
just fantastic. Yep. <laughs> Brilliant way to go. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so she's obviously in mourning. And then Hugo Weaving's character says, you know, I've got to travel to Alice Springs to do a few, like four weeks of gigs, like of drag shows. Why don't you come with me? Get yourself out of your head a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so Bernadette agrees. And then the two of them are set off on a road trip. But it's not the two of them because there is a third character, which mm-hmm. is... Guy Pierce mm-hmm. as a Felicia Jolly Goodfellow. That's mm-hmm. the drag name. Sure. Uh, Adam, the boy name. So he he is another drag queen on the scene, much younger. He's like the young hot one, basically. I mean, Guy Pierce is amazing. They're all amazing, but mm-hmm. Guy Pierce in this film is he's, he's uh, like fifteen out of ten at this point. Yeah, he, he is doing the most. Yeah, like he really. This is what I mean. You, Guy Pierce must have been so tired on set. Like oh God, yeah. as soon as the camera starts rolling, it's such high energy the mm. whole time. He's never off. Yeah, like. It's, and again, it's like I said, it's a really hard thing to do because this character could be so obnoxious, but he's just not. He's just so funny that you just feel like, you just want, oh, yeah, I like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's this, like, the only word is a brat. He's a complete yeah. brat. Like, he's this spoiled <laughs> yeah. brat. Probably never been out of Sydney before. He's obviously got rich parents who have basically, like, given him anything he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's coming along because he has this dream of climbing up, um, is Ayers Rock? Or oh, I don't know. Some giant mountain or hill in Australia. Mm-hmm. And he wants to climb up it in full drag, basically. That's his dream, mm-hmm. so that's why he's coming along. Mm-hmm. And because Bernadette's a bit older and has no patience for bullshit, mm-hmm. she does not like him in the slightest. Mm-hmm. They rub against each other a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's the source of much entertainment in this film. <laughs> We're unplugging our curling ones and going bush, Felicia. Why would you possibly want to leave all this glamour for a hike into the middle of nowhere? Do you really want to know? Desperately. Well, ever since I was a lad, I've had this dream. A dream that I now, finally, have a chance to fulfil. And that is? To travel to the centre of Australia, climb King's Canyon as a queen, in a full-length Gautier sequin, heels and a tiara. Great. That's just what this country needs. A cock in a frock on a rock. Oh, get back in your kennels, both of you. We need to talk about the bus a little bit, I think. Okay, yeah, so the bus that uh, shows up and it's kind of this... Well, it's a wreck, essentially. It's a complete banger, yeah. Yeah, like, it's, it, it doesn't look particularly nice from the outside, from the inside. It's got a few bits of junk in it, everything's mm-hmm. broken. And then just... Essentially, flash cut to <laughs> suddenly it's you know it's perfect. Yeah, it it really reminded me of the bus from Spice World the movie. Sure, you know yeah. how it, like it seems it, like it's got everything. It's got it, everything. It's bigger on the inside. It's so much bigger on the inside. <laughs> they keep, they keep discovering new bits to it as the film goes. Yeah. On. It's like what the f- well. First of all, the f- there's the first A kit that just full of gin. Yeah, loved it. Yeah, want it. Yeah, loved it. <laughs> I mean. They were just drunk driving the whole way, right? There's oh, no question. Must have They done, were yeah. hammered throughout this film. Yeah. Like, there's no question. They just open up the first aid kit, it's just literally just packed with gin. Mm. Great. Uh, and then later on, you find out Guy Pierce's character is, is sleeping in a converted uh, tanning booth, tanning yeah. bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? What has a what, what bus has a tanning bed? I don't, I don't know. And then at one point, they're camping out in the middle of nowhere later in the film, and Bernadette just has a freshly baked cake. Yeah. Where did that? Is there an oven? Like, where did that come from? <laughs> I I don't know, John. I don't know. It's it's so good. Yeah. It's and just like if you look pause any like moment mm. where they're on the bus, you can just see like the lines of shoes and the costumes, like mm-hmm. the detail of it is just. I like one bit near the end where they just open like one of the side panels, mm-hmm. and there's just an entire wardrobe in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like with coat rails and everything, just like, where did you fit this? Yeah. And then on top of it, it's just a giant heel, yeah. a heel shoe. Oh, that's fantastic. That, which that's... obviously pays off at the end in the performance, but yeah. yeah. 
fantastic. So I, I loved the bits made through the film, which I'm sure are some of the most famous bits. But when Guy Pearce is on the top, lip syncing to, to opera, to, to, yeah, to opera, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, wearing just like you know, just like a mirror dress yeah. sort of thing with a cape that's like 20, 30 metres long. Yeah. I just liked, like, again... I <laughs> on wasn't... a giant shoe on top of a bus just speeding through the Australian outback. Yeah. I mean, that'd dry you right out. Uh, oh, um, how many flies would he swallow? Like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> God. I dress to think, yeah. Nah, horrible. I mean, I think he might be a superhuman. Could be. I think Could they be. might all be superhumans. I think he might be high. I mean, he's definitely... <laughs> yeah, think. <laughs> Possibly once at certain moments of this film, possibly he might have ingested a couple of substances. Yeah, who, who can say? Who can yeah, say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we haven't talked about the costumes yet. No, the costumes in this film are unbelievably good. They're fantastic, and it's so many, so many. Like Guy Pearce has a different costume for every moment. Mm-hmm. He's got a costume for when the bus breaks down. He's got a costume to. Pa- he's got a painting costume just yep. in case. You know, like, yeah. he has planned for everything, but. Yeah, the bit when they're walking through this first town. Uh, I think Guy Pearce is wearing like a, a wig made of straws or something. Something like that, yeah. And then Hugo Weaving's wearing a dress made, made of, of flip-flops. flip-flops. <laughs> Which Australians call thongs, by Fo- the way. Yes, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but also, Guy Pearce, from the back, he's just his arse is just out. Yeah. He's just full arse oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it's great. <laughs> uh, so they're walking through this town and they go into a bar to get a drink. Mm-hmm. And then they get confronted by this homophobic woman who's just like, we don't want your kind around here. You know? mm-hmm. And then another one of the absolute classic lines. Now listen here, you mullet. Why don't you just light your tampon and blow your box apart? Because it's the only bang you're ever going to get, sweetheart. She just wins with laughter. Yeah. Because <laughs> everyone just like bursts out laughing. Mm-hmm. The woman just kind of goes, touche, I am defeated. Like, yep. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> she just gives up at that yeah, point. It's like, yeah. There's nothing. He's uh, like, yes, I have been bested. So yeah, and that diffuses the situation. Yeah. And then it just cuts to all of them just absolutely hammered. Mm. So Guy Pearce is like dancing on the bar. Hugo Weaving is very drunkenly trying to sell his woe man makeup for men cream. Mm-hmm. It's like really slurring his words. It's great. And then Bernadette is having a drinking competition with old Sal, the old homophobic lady. Mm-hmm. Which, again, is just a fantastic... The, the drinking game scene is just really good. Yeah. Where they're just, like, taking shots after shot after shot, and then the old woman just kind of looks at him and says, all I can see is female impersonators, and then just passes out. It's great. <laughs> uh, so it's all very, very funny. Uh, but then again, it cuts from, like, funny to quite dark, because then they go outside. The next, they go to the hotel and they fall asleep and they wake up the next morning and someone's painted AIDS fuckers go home on their bus mm-hmm. so it's like oh. again it just puts a little bit of realness into an otherwise very like comical you know film so and obviously that upsets them quite a lot so they step back off onto the road and then they break down so that's when they take the opportunity to repaint the bus like bright pink mm-hmm. well that's what Guy Pierce does in his fantastic Luigi from Mario like mm-hmm. green painters overalls well, I mean, I guess on a trip like that, you don't want to be caught like thinking, oh, man, I've got the perfect costume for this situation. And it's back at home. Mm. I wish I packed this 20 metre bus I mean, more. I would love to see the costumes that Guy Pearce didn't pack. Yeah, yeah. It really seems like he has something for every occasion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but then they get, they run into an Aboriginal guy mm-hmm. who takes them back to his, I guess, village. They're having like a barbecue and they have like a bit of a late night Camp out moment. A party, essentially. They have a, yeah. they have a party. It's, it's yeah. fun, and they're very welcoming. It's it's really fun. Mm. And that's when we get the lip sync to I Will Survive mm-hmm. in the in the ridiculous like bell bottoms and the... <laughs> is that the flower wigs? I can't remember. I think... Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not sure, but I love the costumes. I love the bell bottom trousers. Yeah. They look great. <laughs> Every 
time there was like a group lip sync, mm-hmm. what I enjoyed the most was just looking at Terence Stamp's face because mm-hmm. he always looked so pissed off. Yeah, <laughs> but it really worked for the character. Like, yeah, yeah, the other two are like really into it, like they're lip syncing for their lives, and he Bernadette is just like checked out, just mm-hmm. like going through the motions, and mm-hmm. it's really really funny. <laughs> Time is very like fluid in this film. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not much sense of like how long anything takes because no, no, they're all sat around the campfire dressed in their casuals. They're watching the Aboriginal guys playing some music or something. Mm-hmm. And then Hugo Weaving's like, "Oh, well, girls, I guess it's our turn." And it just smash cuts to like full drag. Yep. It's like so. I guess it's our turn in three hours yeah. when we've applied all this makeup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently so. Apparently mm. so. I mean, that's not the last time. And then halfway through the song, just bring somebody else in. And yeah, I, I, same again. Yeah, <laughs> they, they recruit the original guy. You get the great didgeridoo remix of I Will Survive, yeah. which I really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so through that, the, the Aboriginals, I think, introduced them to Bob, don't they? Which is mm. the Bill Hunter character. Yeah. Bill Hunter, the fabulous Australian actor who's basically in every Australian film ever. He's in, obviously, <laughs> Muriel's Wedding as the dad. He's in Strictly Ballroom as the judge. He's just one of the greats. Has he been in Neighbours? I'd be surprised if he hasn't. I mean, they've all been in Neighbours at some point, but mm. maybe he's above Neighbours. Wow. Know. Bold. I don't know. I mean, he, he's... See, I don't know. He, it seems Are like you he's... you saying he's a better actor than Kylie Minogue? Well, I mean, Kylie Minogue has other talents. But, <laughs> <laughs> I think Kylie Minogue would absolutely say that Bill Hunter is a better actress than she is. Um, a better, act, better actor than she is. Yeah. I don't know. It's. I would imagine that Bill Hunter is to Australian film as, say, Ian McKellen is to British cinema. You know what I mean? Or Maggie Smith. It oh, seems okay. like he's one of those who's just... I mean, I don't know. He's dead now, sadly, but it seems like he was in every famous Australian film. Mm-hmm. So he must, he must have been very well regarded. And he's sure. fantastic. So he's just this kind of very salt-of-the-earth kind of small-town mechanic kind of guy, middle-aged mechanic. Mm-hmm. And so he offers to help them out. He bonds with them very quickly. Like he takes them back to his house, where we meet... Uh, we meet a character who is problematic. <laughs> to say the least, Yeah. <laughs> This is the aspect of the film that has not aged not, terribly well. I'm sure it was not great. When no, I'm it came not. Out. I'm not saying always oh, the time. No, this was this was obviously never. You know, this is never a sensitive portrayal. Mm. This was never like a good portrayal of. Yeah, basically a very very broad stereotyped Asian bride character. Mm-hmm. Is she Vietnamese or Thai? I, or? I don't know. They never spe- they never specify. No, I don't. I, think I, doubt, I doubt they knew. I doubt they gave it a second for. No, yeah. but she. It is, was. Yeah. Awful. This this was this was rough to watch. Yeah. All the scenes with her were rough to watch. Yeah. I mean, the one scene with her that everyone, everyone remembers, remembers balls. is genuinely iconic. Yeah. But like at the same time, you know, <laughs> you know, I felt conflicted because mm. I was loving it, but mm-hmm. I was also like, mm. so he's married to this like much younger um, Asian bride mm-hmm. who speaks in very you know, very bad generic. Uh, Asian accent. Yeah, I mean, I- I'm not going to do it, but I'll-, I'll insert a sound clip so you can hear it. It is very, um, very stereotypical, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that's not how the actress spoke. I don't know, but I would assume that's not how she spoke. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so she is very extroverted. Mm-hmm. But Bill Hunter's character, Bob, he's. It turns out he's a big fan of drag queens. Back in when he was in the military or something, he saw a lot of them. They were called lay girls, mm-hmm. like the original. Like this would have been back in the 70s or the 60s, I guess. So he, he'd seen their shows and he was a big fan. And so then it turns out that Bernadette is, you know, one of the most famous of all the, the lay girls. She's like obviously been a pioneer. Mm-hmm. So he's very excited about that. And he's like, well, you girls should all perform at our local bar, mm. which again is a terrible idea. This yeah, is a yeah. very like straight <laughs> bar, clearly in the middle of like, not even mm-hmm. in Sydney. Like this is a straight bar mm. in some backwater town in the, the outback. So, mm-hmm. but he's like, oh, no, you know, they'll love it. They'll love it. So they reluctantly decide to get up on stage and do it. They do this whole performance with the, uh, I think, is that one shake or groove thing they do at that point? I'm not sure. So when they're all dressed in pigtails, 
the sight of Terence Stamp in the pigtails again just <laughs> just killed me. So they do they do this whole drag performance on the bar to like muted applause. Mm. It's like it's like silence, and then Bob just kind of goes yeah and like claps. And he, yeah. He's like bless him, he's loving it. But all the other oh, yeah, like yeah. blokes are just like no. Mm. But then yeah, then the Thai bride character she gets up on stage <laughs> wearing a um, zebra print full body cat suit mm-hmm. that unzips at the front. Yep. Which apparently, to be fair, the actress brought herself. Apparently, that was her thing. She wow. Yeah. So <laughs> well, I'll give it that at least. Like, <laughs> that was hers. She brought it. She loved it. And uh, she does the a performance involving ping pong balls. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and firing ping pong balls out of somewhere. Out of her vagina, yeah. Yes. You ever seen anything like that before? No. <laughs> well, I've seen many a drag queen like replicate the act since. It's become like one of those things. Mm-hmm. Using a different hole. But mm. yeah, you can sure. imagine. Yeah. Sure. Yes, it's become quite a thing. But uh, <laughs> it's... I love the watching the reaction. The reactions are what makes it. Like mm. watching the, the three drag queens reacting to that. So you've got Hugo Weaving just looking absolutely horrified. Mm-hmm. You've got Bernadette just being like, oh, just rolling her eyes. And then Guy Pierce just falling about laughing, just having yeah. the best. Which is exactly, that would, be, that would so be me in that situation. Just like <laughs> crying, laughing. Just like, this is the most yeah. uncomfortable situation in the world and I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was. That was a great scene, I'll be honest. It was. I mean, the character was a problem. Mm-hmm. But that one scene was hysterical. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, so then she... You know, like Bob drags her off the stage, takes her home, and then she leaves him. Like mm-hmm. She drives off and, and dumps him, basically. And so, thankfully, yeah. that's the last we see of that character. Because, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, wasn't there a whole plot line where like, she married him like by accident? There's, what, yeah, what, there's some flashbacks. What, what, what was going on there? Well, because that's the thing. Because Bob is presented as like a very a very gentlemanly character. Mm-hmm. But actually, the way he treats her is pretty shitty. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he literally drags her off the stage. He shouts her down all the time. Like Watching it back, I was like, oh, this doesn't make him look a very nice guy. Mm. But then the flashback, and not, to, not that it justifies it, but then the flashbacks do kind of flesh out a little bit, at least with the like, he basically woke up. He also got really hammered one night and woke mm-hmm. up and like they got married drunk, mm-hmm. you know. I always wonder, that's like a thing that happens in TV and film. How easy is it really to just get married drunk? I do not know. We should go to Vegas and find out. No. No. I didn't no. mean to each other. I just mean like, you know. Like, yeah, I, I believe you just proposed and got turned down. Oh, so. well, fine. well, that's not how I'm going to remember this story, but fine. Um, right, great. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm sure it can't be that easy, can it? I don't know. Anyway, so in the in the world of this film, which to be fair is not really, you no, know, particularly in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> <laughs> I did not propose to you. Shut up. Um, <laughs> sure, you're not, sure you didn't. Yeah. Uh, uh, she, she, yeah. In the world of this film, she, you're right. You, no. Do you need a minute? I might need a minute. Yeah. In the world of this film, he woke Can up. Can we one go day. back to just being friends? Yeah. That's. Like, shut okay. up. Yes. <laughs> Leave me alone. Cool. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. My heart is broken, Harry. Just pretend it didn't happen. I really thought that was going to work. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Who are you? Are you wife? Guess I'll be going home then. No, you're not going. I coming too. Are your wife? See? Are your wife? Silly girl. <laughs> Should have done her homework better. <laughs> she was. Th- she thought I was from Sydney. Why, in God's name, did you bring her home? She was my wife. So after Bob's left by his wife, he offers to join the girls for the rest of the trip because the bus is obviously in dire shape. Mm-hmm. So he can help them to you know fix it up and hopefully get it all the way to Alice Springs in one piece. Yeah. So he kind of joins the crew at this point. 
And also going through this part of the film, like the middle part of the film, you, you see how Bernadette and Guy Pearce's character, Felicia, mm. they start to kind of, even though they initially hate each other, they start to really like have a bit of a, a bit of a bond. Like, you yeah. know, it's, it's very, it's very nicely done. Like they're still like bitching at each other all the time, but you see how they kind of come to understand each other a little bit. And there's some, there's some really great scenes at this part of the film. Mm-hmm. There's obviously the bit with um, the abateur, mm-hmm. which, oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that coming at all. No. I just again, I just love like Terence Stamp's delivery. Just is complete like, what are you telling me? Mm. This is an abateur. <laughs> <laughs> he underplays it so well. Yeah. Just like completely like what? Like, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the reaction I always have at the same time. Just like what? Yeah, <laughs> it's just weird. The fact that he just in later scenes you see it just round his neck the whole time. It's yeah, just like a turd around in a, in a bottle around his neck. It's just yeah. just fantastic. I've heard a similar story about the Queen's pube. Um, that, Do go uh, on. That uh, I forget. He might be a comedian actually. So I'm, I'm, I may be ripping him off. But uh, they were working in a hotel. There's like a cleaner or something, mm-hmm. and uh, the queen was coming to stay. Mm-hmm. And so she you know, they cleaned her room and everything beforehand just to make sure everything's just fine. And uh, she went in. She was the only person to have, to have gone in the room. Sure. And then when the cleaner next went in to clean, um, there was a single pube left on the toilet seat. And so like. <laughs> It's the Queen's pew. Mm-hmm. They took it, they put it in a matchbox, and they kept it forever. I mean, I think I might too. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> I have a piece of the Queen. <laughs> Do you reckon you could sell that on eBay, or would that be the kind of thing that get you in trouble? Uh, well, nobody believe you. True. But I mean, you can sell... People sell, like, bottles of air on eBay, you know what I mean? Like, people sell all kinds of shit. True, true. Well, I don't think it would get you in trouble with, like, you know, royalty. Yeah. You'd never be knighted after that. You'd never get an OBE no. if you got caught selling the Queen's pew. True, mm. true. Be a great name for a pub, the Queen's Pube. It would. Mm. Yeah. Let's get married in Vegas and open a pub called the Queen's Pube. Again, no. <laughs> um, but that would be a great name for a pub or a drag bar. Yes. Actually, yes. It'd be perfect for a drag bar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know why you went to pub first, given the theme of this episode. Well, pub pube, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ye olde Queen's Pube, you know. <laughs> What's this? That, my darling, is my most treasured possession in the whole wide world. But what is it? Well, a few years ago, I went on a pilgrimage backstage to an ABBA concert, hoping to grab an audience with Her Royal Highness Agnetha. Well, when I saw her ducking into the ladies' loo, naturally I followed her in. And after she'd finished her business, I ducked into the cubicle, only to find she left me a little gift sitting in the toilet bowl. What are you telling me? This is an ABBA turd? But yeah, there's there's lots of nice little scenes of them. They fly the the kite, the blow up doll kite. Oh yeah, yeah, that was really funny. But yeah, they they basically seem to be forming a bit of a bond, mm. and that's kind of solidified in the next sequence, which is when they go to another kind of small, even smaller, even more kind of you know rough. Mm-hmm. Is it even a town? It's more like a working men's like mining community or something, isn't it? Or like a service station, a mechanic. I don't know. They they stop somewhere yeah. where it's literally just all men, mm-hmm. and there's nothing really to do. And, and these are all like old drinking buddies of. Bob's character so he's like I'm going to go drinking with the blokes but you girls should stay out of it because it's kind of not really your world Yeah. and they're like fine so Mitzi and Bernadette go for a nice meal and just have a little bit of a heart to heart about all kinds of things mm-hmm. and Felicia Guy Pierce's character is basically just cooling his heels in the hotel room and that's when he, go- he digs out his ecstasy mm-hmm. and um, you see him look at it and then next hard cut to him in full drag and he goes out to, to all these like real hard like blokes mm-hmm. and Initially, they mistake him for a woman, which... Um, 
he enjoys. He enjoys a lot, yeah. <laughs> I mean, these these Even guys... Even a strong five o'clock shadow. These guys must not... Have, I know it's dark and they're all drunk, but these yeah. guys have obviously not seen a real woman in a while because, I mean, I know this is the giveaway, but his biceps... Yeah. Like, it, the whole thing, through the whole film, his biceps are just, you know, mm. very, very... <laughs> those treat bones as well. Yeah, he's, he's in full drag, flirting with this guy, and then it starts, you know, initially... It, the guy's flirting back and then he holds up his pint to a certain light and, and obviously his like giant bicep mm. comes into frame and then obviously the guy realises and is horrified and basically they all just chase him down mm-hmm. pin him down and it, again it gets super dark it's like it's like they spread his legs and mm-hmm. they chop his balls off or something it, mm-hmm. it gets really and then Bill Hunter runs in and like saves the day tells him to get out you know mm-hmm. tells him to leave him alone and then Bernadette comes in and once again, just saves the day in the best way possible. Yeah. Flings abuse. Like, why don't you just go back and fuck a few pigs or something? <laughs> and then... Kicks uh, him in the balls. Kicks... Oh, that's the, that's the, the main drunk guy's like, oh, oh, Bernadette, is it? Why don't you fuck me, Bernadette? And then Bernadette casually strolls up, just knees him repeatedly in the balls. Mm. So he's like, literally doubled over in pain, just falls to the ground. He goes, there, mm. now you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> and just and does the great, like, hair flick as well. Just mm-hmm. like, yep, I win, hair flick. Just, mm-hmm. they, it's... So good. Put the faggot down and get the fuck out of there, Bob, or you'll be next. Frank! Get out of there! Stop flexing your muscles, you big pile of budgie turd. I'm sure your mates will be much more impressed if you just go back to the pub and fuck a couple of pigs on the bar. Bernadette, please. Bernadette? Well, I'll be darned. The whole circus is in town. Well, I suppose you want to fuck too, do you? Come on, Bernadette, come and fuck me. That's it. Come on. Come on, fuck me. Come on. Fuck me. There. Now you're fucked. But yeah, then they finally reach the casino. And, we get to the, and then we get finally to the bit where Hugo Weaving's story kind of kicks in. Yeah. So he reunites with his wife, who's obviously just back in the day been like his best girlfriend clearly they're just best best friends like Mm -hmm. it's very much had that vibe like they have the exact same sense of humor she seems to be a lesbian possibly or also bisexual who knows like it's all very fluid and nice and yeah yeah. and he meets his son and then we we get the the other flashback sequence or the same flashback from the beginning of the film but now you've got the other two girls dressed in as nurses which i found really funny Somehow, something about Terence Stamp dressed as a nurse just really tickled me. <laughs> With like, I think he had like blonde pigtails and like it just looked great. Um, uh, yeah, and he's kind of quite freaked out because he doesn't want his son to see him that way. Like he's quite ashamed of who he is, basically. And the mum just truly couldn't care less. Not in like a bad way. She's a she seems like a really good mum, but she's she's really not like phased at all about it. She's just like just be yourself. You'll you'll figure it out. You know, mm-hmm. kids are strong. And I thought he was actually again like progressive nineties movies. This film like had some good messages. There's a bit in this film where she says, look, you're going to take the kid now because I've had him for eight years and I need a fucking break. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. And it doesn't make her out to be a bad guy. She's like, no, I've raised this kid for eight years and now I need a holiday. Yeah. And that's, it might, I might be gone for six months. Yeah. Take the kid. And yep. I thought that was so impressive. Like, you great. never see that. Like, <laughs> so that's why basically she's called him across Australia, A, to do some gigs, but really because she wants to get him reintroduced to his son so that mm. he can take him for a while mm-hmm. while she just goes and lives her life. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, you go you. Yeah. Good for you. So yeah. Oh, I'd love to see what she gets at on holiday. That could be a sequel itself, yeah. just because she seemed fabulous. I liked her a lot. I mean, maybe not a sequel, but just like some memoirs or something. Like I'd want some postcards. Yeah, po- like post- just, yeah. over the credits, just some postcards of her, just like yeah, yeah being fabulous around the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
What am I meant to say to the boy? I've never been so embarrassed. I think you're overreacting. Really? Yes. You're just being a drama queen. You're going to have to drop all that shit if you're going to be a good father. And don't pretend to be surprised. I've kept my end of the bargain. Now it's your turn. Not forever. Maybe just for a couple of months. Yeah, why now? Because I haven't had a holiday in eight years. I need a rest tick. I need some space. But then it gets to the performance. The drag performance that the whole film's been building to. Mm-hmm. Like the performance that they do in this casino. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, it is the greatest thing I think I've <laughs> I was, I'd forgotten just how good this is and how mm-hmm. much there is in this. Like mm-hmm. it's like a full, like, I think it's like four minute sequence because it goes through the whole song. Something like that, yeah. It's finally by CeCe Peniston, which is mm-hmm. a fabulous song. And yet the costumes. So they've got the big giant heel mm-hmm. and they're all dressed, what's the first one? They're all dressed in like floral lions, I think it's at first. Yeah, they've that's got it, the yeah. flower head dresses that are like, like a mane. Mm. And then they go from that to being glittering emus. Mm-hmm. They've got like, the emu headdresses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then they become lizards. <laughs> the emus are my favourite. The I emus think. were great. The lizards look great. The, the ones with the thing that they could stick their arms out the back. and Yeah, like the ones in Jurassic Park that spit in the fat guy's face. Yeah. Like, it's like that, that, that dinosaur. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. that. It's like it. Uh, Hugo, Hugo Weaving comes out and he's like, you know, he's prowling across and he's like, mm. dude, the tongue, the tongue is amazing. Mm-hmm. But then he flips up and then, yeah, he's got the whole kind of, the scales. Yeah. Oh my God, it's so good. So good. I, I, if this was possible, again, this is where it's a fantasy because the, the amount of costume changes. Mm-hmm. Like, but before this even happens, there's a scene in the backstage where the wife comes in and goes like, oh, 10 minute warning, guys. And Terrence Stamp literally has one eyebrow on. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking that, is nobody rushing at this Nobody point? is like, ready. What? You've got a whole eyebrow to do in 10 minutes. Yeah. Plus probably a few other things yeah. that I've not noticed because yeah. I'm quite ignorant to this thing. Sure. And yet in the space of like a three minute <laughs> pop song, they managed to do four entirely different looks all with their own entirely different makeup. Mm. I mean, Well, they totally didn't. I mean, I took it as... A montage. It was a, it was a couple of nights mm-hmm. and it was just cleverly cut between. Sure. Because like, yeah, there were moments where somebody would fall off stage and mm-hmm. then like you'd... The camera wouldn't even move away from their feet, and they'd still have a diff- they'd have a different costume on. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, no, yeah. I was, uh, yes, it was obviously a montage, which which then made me think like this song, as good as the song it is, if it was without the costume, just one costume, it would actually be a really boring performance. Like, it'd be fun for the first thirty seconds, maybe mm-hmm. a minute, and the last three minutes because the song doesn't build anywhere. No, it's, it's a, like it's a um, dance song. They st- it stays at one place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, they it, did they th- did very well to throw in the costume changes because they were. So much fun. They were so good. So yeah, so you've got the, the floral lions, you've got the disco emus, you've mm. got the dinosaur lizard things, mm-hmm. and then you've got the kind of Marie, French, you know, Marie Antoinette-ish kind of like the big, the oh, big yeah. wigs with the with the light bulbs in them. Yeah. And then they've got the giant like fans that they're all using, and then the fans turn into the Sydney Opera House. <laughs> How good is that? <laughs> oh my god! And then it cuts to the audience, like this this triumphant performance, and the audience is just kind of like, mild applause, mild applause. Mm. I, was, I would be losing my shit if I saw that. Yeah. I didn't get I my... mean, that, like, with all those costume dreams and stuff, assuming that is the one performance, mm. I don't really understand how an audience, even a straight audience... Wouldn't could... be living for it. Yeah. It's like, amazing! Yeah. Like, bloody hell, that's fantastic. Yeah. So, so good. Mm. Do you know, this film actually won the Oscar for Best Costume. Did it? It did. Fucking deserve. It would have been a shame if not, to no, be honest. But it was, until Black Panther, mm. so this is like 25 years, until Black Panther, it was the only film to win Best Costume that wasn't a period film. The really? one that wasn't like just corsets and wigs. Like, you know, like you know, like the favourite style. Like, really? Yeah. 
Oh. For 25 years, those are the only two films that have not been period pieces to have won the best costume. I find that very sad. That is awful. Yeah. There's so many good ways to do a costume, and it's not all about just a nice corset. Right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Yeah. It's a fascinating fact for you. Yeah. Well, that's, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's the only Oscar this film won because it was very much an independent film. Should have mm-hmm. won many more, but mm-hmm. yeah. I'm glad it won that one because clearly that's where it stands out. Yeah. Yeah, so they do this fabulous performance and then they, I guess they stay for a couple of weeks and then the film just kind of slows down a bit and shows you how Hugo Weaving is reconnecting with his son. Mm. Uh, and again, he's, <laughs> I love how they all go for a picnic and he's trying like unsuccessfully to like butch up. Mm-hmm. Like, because he walks out and he's wearing like car keys and he's like, mm-hmm. he's dressed like Steve Irwin, the crocodile. And oh yeah, yeah. That guy. Like, yeah. He's dressed like that and it just looks he just looks so uncomfortable in it. Like mm-hmm. this is obviously not how he feels comfortable. Mm-hmm. And all the other characters just like rip the shit out of him. Like nobody <laughs> takes it seriously at all. It's great. And the kid, again, the kid just doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Just couldn't care less. I actually genuinely teared up a little bit though, the little bit where the where the kid is throwing the stone where the two of them have that little But the kid's throwing stones yeah. and Hugo Weaving's just like you know, he's trying to explain to him that, mm-hmm. you know, hey, I'm I'm gay. Yeah. And I'm 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 a drag queen. He doesn't even he, say the words. Though. No, That's he doesn't. He doesn't. Does he? He's just sort of like. So do you know what I do? Yeah. And and, so, and he keeps asking these such. He's dancing around it. Yeah. yeah. Such soft questions. Mm. He's not really. He, he's not trying to make a big question out of anything mm. or make a big thing of anything. He's just trying to sort of see where the sun lands, and it slowly becomes obvious to him that the sun is very okay and not just okay, just like. Actively interested. Well, that's thing. The sun does the, like he's asking. He's like, you know what I am. He's like really dancing around it, and mm. the sun just straight up, without even turning around, just says, "Are you gonna have a boyfriend when you go to Sydney?" Yeah, and then and then and he, like, mum says you're the best in the business. Yeah, we do. Will you do Abba for me? Yeah, and, like, and honestly, I I cried. So like, it sweet, was so lovely. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that mum has done a good job. Oh yeah, she deserves her holiday. She has done <laughs> good work. Like, oh, I want to see her holiday. <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, and yeah, and that's kind of the end of the film. So obviously he he then ditches his car keys and realizes that he can be himself around his son, which is lovely. The three drag queens. Clan. By car keys, you mean clothes, not car, not keys to his not car. keys to his car. No, that, that's a whole different movie. Um, no, car keys. Priscilla, car. fuck you. Yeah, Priscilla, swinger of the desert. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the three drag queens climb up the rock in full drag, which is a mm-hmm. fantastic shot. Then, so Bernadette stays behind with Bob mm-hmm. uh, at the casino to run the casino while the mum goes on holiday. So, mm-hmm. And they have the emotional goodbye scene. And then, yeah, we end with a good old Abba lip sync on the way home. So mm-hmm. there's there's Guy Pierce and Hugo Weaving and the kid have the Mamma Mia dance. Mm-hmm. And they lip sync to Mamma Mia. Uh, and then it cuts to them being on stage in Sydney. And again... The two drag queens are up on stage. The kids run in the lights. The kid is in charge of the lighting. Yeah. Like the, I would hope they have an adult lighting technician there, but it seems like the kid's just taken that role. It was a little odd, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it seems like he's doing fine. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and finally, the crowd actually enjoying it. Like the first time, mm. the, for the first time in the whole movie, they get an appreciative crowd. Mm-hmm. Like, because the whole movie is just like either actively hostile or just bored. Mm-hmm. So I was really pleased that it ended with a plus. A genuinely, a genuinely infused audience. Yeah. yeah. So then they're doing Mamma Mia and it's great. And it, the film ends on a freeze frame of Hugo Weaving's crazy, crazy face. <laughs> he flings his wig off, doesn't he? And yeah. it's like, he just does the best crazy face. Yeah. <laughs> and then it just cuts to, for no reason whatsoever, Save the Best for Last by Vanessa Williams. This very, like, sweet, gloopy... Yeah, <laughs> which was... I, I was wondering what the relevance to that was, but I was like, I guess, like, oh, it's just a, a thing the director liked and thought... Here's a song that was a big hit at the yeah. time, yeah, sure. Sure, whatever. <laughs> It was a so weird your, song. Your, your film, you do what you want with yeah, it. Yeah, it was a weird song to end on, but mm. I, I mean, I love that song, but like, it's a weird one. Yeah. Because yeah. all, all the other songs like disco, and then there's just this very sweet ballad. But, yeah. mm-hmm. but uh, anyway, and that's the end of 
Priscilla. The Adventures of Priscilla. Queen, Queen of, of the, the Desert. desert. Yes. <laughs> oh, I had a good time. Uh, is it obvious? Yeah. Sure you did. Yeah. I really enjoyed this. So happy you proposed, but, you know. Yeah, well, you know, don't rush into saying no. Give, give <laughs> us some thought, you know. Come back to me. Sure, sure. I'm not supposed to know about the Abisher, but I'd really like to see it. Would you do Abba for me? Sure. You know what I am, don't you? Mum says you're the best in the business. Ah, well, your mother was always prone to exaggeration. Will you have a boyfriend when we get back to Sydney? Maybe. That's good. So, drinking games. Drinking games, okay, I'll go first. I, first of all, absolutely drink what they drink. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, lots of gin. Have you ever tried the trick that they do hmm? with, in, with the minibar? No, what are they doing? It's when they go to the first hotel, Bernadette's like, I'll show you a trick. It's, it seems worryingly easy. Mm. I'd be surprised if it actually works. Basically, you get the little mini bottle of gin, you down the gin, and you fill it with water. Oh, yeah, that one. And then refill it and put it yeah. back. And then if it's like uh, a whiskey, you just do some very weak tea, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I don't um, know if that would work. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I've always wanted to try it. Yeah. I've not really spent a lot of time in the kind of hotels that have mini bars, to be honest. No. Okay, well, when we go on the honeymoon... Yeah, we'll um, try this we'll... out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're paying though, right? Sure. Great. Um, yours? Oh, okay. Drink for Gay Anthems. Sure. Like the songs. Right? Sure, yeah. Great, great soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Do you have a particular favourite song that cropped up in this film? Uh, I Will Survive. I Will Survive was good, yeah. Uh, so yeah, you've got I Will Survive. Go West is in this film. Oh, it is, isn't it? Yeah. But I guess the original. I yeah, the, the, not the Pet Shop Boys version. The, yeah, the mm. Village People version, yeah. Yeah. I love the nightlife. Mm-hmm. I love to boogie down mm-hmm. the disco round. Uh, <laughs> I've never been to me. I mean, every it's just a great, great. Finally, obviously, mm-hmm. it's a fantastic soundtrack. Mm. I've been listening to a lot of the songs for it a lot this week. So, yeah. <laughs> great. <laughs> um, okay, uh, next one I've got is drink anytime anybody puts on or takes off a wig. Ooh, although I don't feel like you see a lot of wig placement or removal. Okay, fine. Just drink for a wig. Then. Drink for a wig. Drink for a wig. Sure. I mean, that's a that's a waterfall I've ever heard on. But apart <laughs> from Hugo Weaving's like wig fling at the end, I think a lot of it happens off screen. Mm, I suppose, yeah. But yeah, absolutely. Drink for a new costume. Or, like, I've got a drink mm-hmm. for a costume change, which I'm guessing is the same thing. There's my next one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that speaks, obviously... Very productive drinking game. Mm-hmm. Did you have a favourite costume or wig? Any that stood out to you? I mean, there are so many. Uh, favourite costume's got to be the mirror costume that Guy Pearce is wearing on top of the bus. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Okay, best costume for each of the three characters. So <gasps> You're really... <laughs> Come is on. that too much? <laughs> um, ooh, I really liked the, uh, the, the flower head costume at the end on mm. um, Bernadette. Yes. Uh, Bernadette looked great in that one. Mm-hmm. Let's see... I like Hugo Weaving's one. Yeah, I don't know. Well, Hugo Weaving's flip-flop dress is really good. Oh, yeah, I forgot that was it. I thought it was Guy Pearce's. No. Yeah, flip-flop dress. I think flip-flop dress, for me, the straw wig for mm-hmm. Guy Pearce, all the opera disco glitter thing was all mm. really good. And for Bernadette, for me, I did really like the the floral one. That was really good. Mm. But I also really liked when she was just wearing pigtails. Anytime she was in pigtails. When they're doing the dance routine in the bar where the 
lady does the ping pong routine she's got pigtails on it and at half halfway through her performance she just rips them off and flings them yeah. in the audience that's what was really funny yeah it's great uh, okay speaking of drink for political incorrectness Oh, moments this would yeah, not go down well <laughs> yeah, in 2019. Um, so yes, anything to do with the uh, the Thai bride character and her ping pong routine. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I mean, there are certain you know, even though I think the portrayal of Bernadette is very sensitive and very forward thinking, like mm-hmm. she's tr- very much given her dignity. Mm. But there's definitely a lot of jokes from Guy Pearce's character, like she's called Ralph. You know, yeah, all of that. Which I mean, I must admit, I did laugh, but again, probably would be hard to. Hard sell in 2019. Mm. Um, no, I think it's still fine. Yeah, it's still it's because like, yeah, the, the joke you know, isn't on Bernadette. Like yeah, she's no. got her dignity. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not a joke that's punching down. It's just no, like it's true. Here's, he, so he's he, an arsehole. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he's an arsehole. Yeah, but then there's also a moment when they're all singing for, something like four fat trannies sit in on the wall. Like there, mm. there are moments when you're like, oh, that joke would not work today. Like, mm. Yeah, which you know, true. But like of any film to sort of sing a song that's for fat trannies it's gonna be this it's, yeah this is the one sure. that can get away with it absolutely I, and i'm not saying this film is cancelled like i'm not mm. like being like i'm not judging it but i'm just saying like there are jokes in this film that would probably be a tough sell for any kind of studio today yeah. but i'm glad that this film came out when it did yeah yeah um okay so drink whenever anybody uses their birth names oh okay good mm, point a few little ones in yeah there, there are a few but not many like, mm. obviously uh, bernadette's is off you know, it's only when other car- when Guy Pearce is calling her Ralph. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Although it's completely off. I mean, there's the point where she literally speaks the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> which I loved. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and the other two, you get it occasionally, but they're mostly Mitzi, Felicia, and... Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, drink for one-liners. Like, mm-hmm. great, like, Cassie one-liners. Put-downs. Put-downs, yeah. Yeah. There's two things I don't like about you, Felicia. Your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So good. You can tell this film was, like I said, you can so tell this film was written by gay men as well as being like about <laughs> yeah. gay men. Like, it's such good, like, catty humour. Like. Mm-hmm. Do you know, actually, just to move away from drinking this for a second, I was listening to the director's commentary today because I wanted to know everything about this film. Basically, while they were in early stages of, like, rehearsing for the film, to get into character, the director, who is gay, took the three actors out in Sydney all in drag. Mm-hmm. And apparently they had a hell of a night. Yeah. Apparently... Terence Stamp forgot he was in drag and started hitting on women, despite being dressed in. <laughs> Great. Hugo Weaving got so drunk he passed out under the table. Mm-hmm. And Guy Pearce just got so invo- so into his character, he just started being an absolute bitch to everyone. And apparently he was a complete nightmare. So. <laughs> so. That fits. That it fits, fits really They, they well. really seem to have like, got into it. So. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, I, I wish footage existed of that. It mm. must have been an amazing... Like, this nice. would have been an incredible film to be a part of. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. To be any part of this film. Which three would you want to be, of the actors? Oh, of the actors. In terms of what my personality is closer to? Or? No, no, no. So you're one of the actors in this film. One okay. of the three actors in this film. Which one would you choose? Who would you like to portray yourself? That's quick. See, I feel, I feel like Hugo Weaving is probably closest to my personality. I think, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'd be him. I don't think I'd be... I don't think I could really pull off Guy Pearce. I, I, I wish I could. But I don't I think I can pull off Guy Pierce. I'd, well de- I'd, de- I'd definitely be Guy Pierce. You'd be Guy Pierce. You'd just yeah. be a bitch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> if I can make those put downs that quickly, that's. Mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose it's more Terrence Stamp's thing, but. Mm-hmm. Any, well, that, that's scripted anyway, so that's fine. Yeah. No, I can see that. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so. You're drunk- the younger, bitchy one. Yeah, like, I guess, yeah. yeah. So, uh, drunk whenever anybody puts on makeup. Oh, okay, yeah, that's good. Mm. Again, is this like. 
makeup changes or actually scenes of them applying makeup? No, when applying makeup. Cause there, there, there is a bit of that, few, that's yeah. fair, yeah. Well, I, had, I drink every time Woman is referenced, which is sure. the, the makeup for men, or the makeup for drag queens that... Mm. I guess that's his day job. I think selling. so. Yeah, it seems like his day job is selling not successfully, but it seems like he sells this no. woe man, you know, heavy duty concealer kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah, which is yeah. There's some very funny scene. I mean, the best is obviously when he's rubbing it on the mm. car engine yeah. just for no reason. <laughs> but again, when he's really hammered in that bar and he's just like very slurry, really trying to sell it to some nonplussed straight people, I really mm. enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, is it me? Drink for every ABBA reference. Oh sure. Yeah. So, I mean, we have the Abbotteur, which is obviously yes. great. But so, a few name drops, and then, of course, a song at the end. Yeah, but there's also a good running joke where Bernadette just doesn't like ABBA. So mm. it's like, no more fucking ABBA. Yeah. And I like, it means that the film builds to ABBA. Because yeah. obviously, with any drag queen movie, you're, like, you're waiting mm. for the for the ABBA moment. Because mm. all drag queen, you know, any drag queen film, mm-hmm. you're going to get some ABBA. But like, there's loads of bits where like they start, like, I think early on the bus, he starts singing one of their songs, and then Bernadette shuts him down. Mm. Later on, he puts on Fernand when the camping he plays Fernando and he's like can you hear the drums then Bernadette's like nope we're not doing fucking ABBA and it really makes you wait and then when it does actually have a full ABBA song it makes yep. it even better yeah. it's like yes yes <laughs> Bernadette's gone yes <laughs> well no I love Bernadette but I just love the fact that yeah. we got some ABBA yeah. yeah no it's like you love your parents but then when they go you put the music on real loud yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely yeah yeah <laughs> um, okay uh, oh my last one is actually drink for just musical numbers so. sure no, no, that's it. drink for Bernadette's half-hearted lip syncs great <laughs> so it's basically drink for every lip sync but just specifically look at Bernadette and how utterly unbothered she is in every scene like she just seems mm-hmm. cosmically just like bored or, or actively pissed off which works so well for the character yeah so I love it yeah sure thing okay <laughs> this has got to be a first nobody's ever out drunk old Shirl before where'd you learn to throw them back like that ah uh, that's our girl Bernadette I just knew that stumbling around the pub circuit with lay girls for 200 years must have taught us something. <laughs> You're a bloody marvel, Bernie. Bernadette, please. <laughs> What's that? My name isn't Bernie. She said her name isn't Bernie. It's Ralph. All right, so listeners, before we talk about our sequels and pitch our sequels, um, I just want to ask you, have you enjoyed this episode? Yes? No? Talk out loud where you are right now. Maybe you'll look at you, get confused, whatever. If you if you just said yes to that and you have enjoyed our episodes, any episodes, this one or others, I'm a little drunk, I'm sorry. Then uh, please go to <laughs> where's pa- this going? <laughs> <laughs> please go to Patreon.com/slash Beyond the Boxer. That's where it's going, John. Okay. And you can uh, pl- uh, I was going to say pledge. That's no, no, that feels like. That seems like we're raising money for something a lot more noble than (laughs) beer and pizza and films. Yeah, yeah. Pledge is the wrong word, but if you want to give us some money, there's there's a better word for give us money, but... Subscribe? There we go. Thank you. Um, Again, I've had a few. Yeah. Join our Patreon. Sign up to our Patreon. Yes, if, if you would like to subscribe to us for as much or as little as you like per month, then, yeah, patreon.com slash set. If you do, you get a few bonus features, which include a bonus show. Once a week, we put out an episode called Beyond Beyond the Box Set, where we review a cinema releases. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got quite a few in the pipeline, actually. We're going to record a few after this. So we've got about four films to record. We've got Brightburn, Toy Story 4... Men in Black, Men in International, Black. Rocket Man, which we're a bit behind the times on, mm-hmm. which I've just seen though, and oh my, I have, I'm so excited to talk about. There's gonna be a lot to talk about in Rocket Man. Yeah, damn right. Yeah, so uh, that that comes out once a week. Beyond mm-hmm. Beyond the Box Set for Patreon only. We also every Patreon gets to have a 30 second advert on the main show once mm-hmm. a month. 
You can advertise anything you like. It can be your own podcast, your own business, or just anything you want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, and finally, once a month-ish, we get a patron on the main show, which I believe is going to be next week. I'm not too sure. They can choose any film that they would like. I mean, it can be their own film, I guess. That's a weird. We've never had it. We've had a, never had an aspiring filmmaker. On no, the we film. haven't. We're open to it. We're but one day, open to yeah. It. Steven Spielberg, if you're listening, or even um, <laughs> just if you're an independent filmmaker, you've got a film you want someone to talk about. We'll talk about it. Totally. We'll yeah, it, yeah. No, I'd love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a patron can come onto the main show. They can pick any film that they like that doesn't have a sequel, mm-hmm. and that we have not already done. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll uh, we'll pitch sequels too. You can come in, you can Skype in, or you can not appear at all, and we'll just do it for you. That's whatever floats your boat. Those are the options. So yeah, all those bonuses are are available at Patreon.com/slash/BeyondTheBoxSet. Fantastic. Hi, I'm Lee, and I host Connected Hearts, a Kingdom Hearts fan community podcast. Each episode, a guest and I talk about the game series and the fantastic community surrounding it, from artists to streamers, cosplayers, and podcasters. We talk about how a dog, a duck, and a boy in silly shorts teaches us that our friends are our power. You can find the show on iTunes or grab the RSS feed from Twitter for the podcatcher of your choice, at Podcast Hearts. And hey, may your heart be your guiding key. Okay, so my sequel is actually a bit of a mistake, I'll be honest. Well, I mean, that's nothing new, but it, sure. Um, it uh, it came from a typo when I realised I didn't know how to spell the word desert, and accidentally spelt dessert. I'm intrigued. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very you kind of train of thought. Sure. Um, so it is, in fact, called Priscilla, Queen of the Dessert. Okay. I can't wait to see how this turns out. Mm. Um, it's a remake mm-hmm. in which, uh, instead of putting on uh, drab lip sync... They, uh, they put on drag eating contests. Oh, okay. Interesting. Like speed eating or... Speed or you can eat, you know, well, okay, wh- wh- sure. whatever's going. I've never seen that done in a frock. Mm. I feel like that's two very different worlds. Mm-hmm. Like full, int- full face of makeup and everything. I'm intrigued to see how that might look. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Everybody being completely camp about everything and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You might have hit on something that's oh, not yeah. a thing right now, but that you could absolutely make into it. Totally could be, yeah. yeah. Amazon Prime will pick this up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I was thinking we'll just like set up a drag <laughs> eating competition. <laughs> Aim high. So anyway, they start off in Sydney, mm-hmm. um, where they're putting on their show. Their show. You say they, is it the same characters? Same characters, yes. Now, I'd like you to cast these for me, because I do not know drag queens. And I think that they should all be existing drag queens, ideally Larger drag queens. Oh, okay, sure. Go. Okay, well, if it's just from the world of RuPaul's Drag Race, then I guess some of the more well-known plus-size ladies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Latrice Royale, obviously. I know that one. You know that one, yeah. Uh, maybe Darian Lake? Nope. No? I mean, I mean, carry on. Sure. And uh, who's another big girl? Ginger Minge? <laughs> yes, there's a drag queen called Ginger Minge. <laughs> Great, okay, sure. Um, okay, who's who? Okay. This so... is purely for listeners, by the way. You know, not all of our listeners are going to know any more than you do. I don't know how many Some of them may. Some of them may. Okay. Well, if you are familiar with RuPaul's Drag Race, then, uh, if we're doing it character for character, so I would say that Bernadette could be played by Latrice Royale. Okay. Latrice Royale is an older drag queen. Mm-hmm. She definitely has an air of being kind of over it, you know, mm-hmm. in a good way. Like, she's seen it all, she's done it all, she's been to prison, she's got a very inspiring story about how she went to prison and then mm-hmm. she got out of prison and rebuilt her whole life. She's fantastic. Wow. She would definitely be a good Bernadette, like a, the den mother, you know, the lioness, you know. Mm. She, she She's done it all and she's seen it all and she's eaten it all, yeah. Mm-hmm. Her kind of tagline is, she is large and in charge, chunky yet funky. So, yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> sure. Her other tagline is, eat it! It's like, eat it! In very... 
<laughs> so she'd be very good at for this specific kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think but Bernadette could be Latrice Rayle. Mm-hmm. Let me think. I guess that would mean Darian Lake. Darian Lake's kind of a a funny, sarcastic drag queen. Sometimes gets missing misinterpreted as being a bitch, but is generally a a good soul with a great sense of humor and seems pretty grounded. So I think that would be a good Hugo Weaving. Mm-hmm. And Ginger Minge is definitely Guy Pierce. Because yep. Ginger Minge is just bitchy and witty and arrogant and egomaniacal, yeah, but also yeah. very talented. So yeah, I would say Ginger Minge would make a good Felicia Jolly Good Fellow. Yeah. Which sure. is the Guy Pierce character. So yeah. <laughs> That all looks me. Okay, yeah. So yeah, they, they start from Sydney where they're putting on their show. Mm-hmm. Their show is pretty much just... Who can eat the most okay. at this point? Is it like so? Is it like have you ever watched like all you can eat compositions? It's like they're all in front of like a table. It's just like yeah, they're, they're, they're on a stage. They got a long table in front of them, like, like maybe a giant pile of hot dogs or something. Sure, I don't know. Okay, yeah. And so it's just and basically they're all eating. Can... They're, they're, yeah, they're all eating the most that they can in like a minute or something. Mm-hmm. But they're also doing it very sexually in, in full drag. Full drag. Okay. Mm. Sure. So there's, there's a lot going on here. Okay, yeah, um, this is this has got levels. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't go well, and they are in fact booed off stage because people do not like the show. Oh, so, okay. So this is just their passion, <laughs> yeah. but it's not something that the world is ready for just yet. Yeah, well, okay, which, sure. which I feel is kind of what drag was in Australia in the 90s. Sure, okay, absolutely. It's yeah. definitely their passion. It was not appreciated for the majority of this film. Okay. Okay, I see what you've done here. So you've set up something where they're gonna, they really believe in this, but they've mm. not yet found their audience. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Cool. Sure. So the next day, they're contracted by a casino in Alice Springs okay. to bring their show over there and perform it in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. And so Felicia, she rocks up in a converted bus bought by her parents mm-hmm. and shows the others around what they'll be driving this week to travel through the desert. The bus is, of course, named Priscilla, Queen of the Desserts. Uh, nice, nice. Is it the same bus? Same bus, yeah, of course. Maybe a double-decker. But the steering wheel is decorated like a donut. Okay, very good. Gear stick is a hot dog. Okay. Everything's food themed. Okay. It the... sounds tacky as fuck. But oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It, it's all out. Mm-hmm. They've not held back at all. Mm-hmm. There's a series of medical cabinets in the back, mm-hmm. which are essentially just a series of fridges full of junk food and puddings. Lovely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On top of the bus is... Giant... Were you hungry when you wrote this by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I wanted to think about it. But yes, I was absolutely starving. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. Oh god, all I've eaten today is Bombay mix. Um on top of the bus is a giant fork. Okay. Instead of the giant shoe. Yes, which okay. can be sat on whilst wearing a long shiny cape and eating cheesecake. Lovely. Okay, yeah. Well anyway, so they're going along on their adventure and eventually, of course, they break down. Sure. Yeah. As happens on every on all good road trip movies. Of course, yeah. Uh, while waiting for the mechanics to come out and meet them, they meet up with a group of Aborigines. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a lovely evening together. They are served some local delicacies, mm-hmm. um, which initially they turn their noses up at the sight of barbecued kangaroo with a very unappealing looking sauce all over it. They did barbecue a lot of kangaroos in this movie, didn't they? They did, In the original, they? yeah. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. It's a, I didn't realise that kangaroos it, were eaten in Australia. It's an animal. Sure, but... It gets eaten. I, I just never realised that kangaroo were something that you eat, but... Fair enough. Yeah. I wasn't offended. I'm a meat so I don't care. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, local delicacy, yeah. I guess. Sure, yeah. You can eat anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, you meat eaters, kind of as vegetarians, we're much more sensible. Sure. Anyway, so they start an eating contest with their ab- Aborigines. Mm-hmm. 
Which, actually, the Aborigines win. Okay. Um, well, I mean, if it's their local delicacies, that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. They win because, essentially, they've run out of kangaroo. Okay. There's, there's, there's no more food to eat. And the Aborigines have eaten more, so therefore they win. Okay. At this point, Bernadette, she's right into it and accepts that, yeah, the Aborigines won. The first course. Oh, okay. She goes into the bus, comes out with a very large banoffee pie in both hands. Mm-hmm. And she says, death match. First team to finish their pie wins. Which, of course, the Aborigines agree to, and then swiftly lose. Oh, okay. Because the drag queens are better at eating banoffee pie. It's Priscilla Queen of the Dessert, it's not Priscilla Queen of the Kangaroos. Okay, I see, okay, I see where you're going with this. Uh, okay. yeah, yeah. So yeah, the Aborigines have lost, but, I mean, it's fine. Everybody's friends, they all dance into night to ABBA and did reduce. Mm-hmm. Um, the next morning, during their food hangovers, uh, <laughs> the mechanic turns up. Um, the, the Bill Hunter character. Yes. In the original. I mean, he's dead now. It's not going to be him. But yes. Sure. Who, who is now a large man named Bob, mm-hmm. um, who is played by Chris Hemsworth's fat suit. Oh, what, with Chris Hemsworth as well? Or just I the mean, fat suit? Just, well, the, yes. just the fat suit independent of everything. <laughs> just, just this floating prosthetic belly with like a voiceover. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth in his fat suit. Great. Yes. Uh, for the entire rest of the movie, Bob Hemsworth, who, who he is now called, mm-hmm. um, is topless and also in slow motion for the Lovely. entire movie. Lovely. The girls, of course, adore him. Of course they do. Yeah. yeah. Um, after f- fixing Priscilla, he uh, decides to come along with them. Mm. Um, that's as far as I've got here. We can probably ad-lib from here. What else happened in the movie? Oh, in the original movie? Yeah, from well, this point. So I mean, I've just kind of gone into like some of the good bits, really. I've, I've, I've skirted around like the uh, Guy Pearce getting really high and sure. messing around next. I don't really know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. With just well, you've got meeting. to the point where they have the initial breakdown and... Yeah, they meet the Aborigine characters who bond with them and they have the party. Is there going to be an equivalent of Bob's offensive Asian bride? I hadn't really planned on it. I wanted to kind of steer away from that. <laughs> sure. But if you were going to do a version of that, that maybe was not quite so racist. Okay, okay. So Bob's now a big fat guy played by Chris Hemsworth. And he's in a very unhappy marriage. To like a really skinny lady? A vegan. Oh, yes, I like that. An angry vegan. An angry vegan. Who <laughs> likes to shoot couscous out of her vagina. Is that possible? It feels more like it would ooze out, what, what, what? <laughs> which is not sexy. Are there any like are there any like vegan foods that you sprouts. could sprouts? Sprout. Just she likes to shoot sprouts out of her sprouts vagina. is a good, good great. One, yes, yeah. perfect. Her routine is that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Have you got anybody you'd, you'd count Julianne Moore? Like <laughs> she has an Oscar. So um, yes. So <laughs> I mean yes, yes. Uh... <laughs> what? She, and she's above this. No, you know what? You know who's perfect for this role? Yeah. As a militant vegan who shoots sprouts out of her, out of her vagina. Mm. Tilda Swinton. Oh, oh my goodness, yes. Yes, I can see her. Tilda Swinton and Chris Hemsworth and Unhappy Marriage. Oh, yes. Unless you just want to get Tessa Thompson to do it. <laughs> no, 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 no. She'd just be embarrassed. I don't yeah. think she'd appreciate that. Yes, Tilda Swinton. Uh, so then, she, yeah, so she does that whole routine. <laughs> All the drag queens and the, the eaters are horrified, I guess. Mm-hmm. She leaves fat Chris Hemsworth. Yep. And well, no, he, he doesn't he leave her? No, she leaves him. Does he? Oh, yeah, because so she's right. like, I know, like, I know, like you anyway. You've got little ding ling so Again, it's a very sensitive... <laughs> wow. That's the line. I'm not, I'm not making this shit up. That's the line. I've got a new text tone. <laughs> <laughs> I said I wouldn't impersonate them. That's as close as I'm going to get. Um, them? Her... <laughs> oh, God. This is all getting cut. <laughs> anyway, she leaves him. Uh, and then, so in the, in the original film, that's when they end up in the outbacky mm-hmm. thing where Guy Pearce's character nearly, nearly gets mm. his balls chopped off. So, what's okay, so we've got, so we got Tilda Swinton leaves Chris Hemsworth mm-hmm. to go back to Vietnam. Is she is she doing that? <laughs> well, I guess she goes back to the commune. 
Sure. You know, where yep. she, you know, lives on mung beans and, you know, yeah. sprouts. Yeah. Um, Chris Hemsworth, on the other hand, he is so impressed by how much all the girls can eat. Mm-hmm. He yeah. can't help but just fall in love with... He is, with, yeah, he, he with, is a total chubby chaser. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know he is. You know, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Especially Fat Hemsworth. Oh, sure, yeah, absolutely. Yes, and so he follows them and helps them along all the way to uh, wherever it is they're going. Alice Springs. Alice Are we going to cut over the... Um, the bit with the attack, then, is that not going to be part of this film? Yeah, it doesn't really fit with what I've got here. Okay, sure. So they make it to Alice Springs, where they've got this whole show planned. Mm-hmm. So does this mean that... So who does say was Hugo Weaving? Hugo Weaving was Darian Lake's character. Mm. Is this a, a wife, then? So is this like a drag queen with a wife? Totally could be. I would say that... Ooh. Rebel Wilson? Okay, so, you th- so you're thinking of a larger person, then? Well, I'm thinking, yeah, well, the whole thing is... Well, this... The wife in the original film was basically like a drag queen, you know, was a, a very a female drag queen. Like, yeah. you know, you could tell why they were friends. They obviously were both very camp and into, yeah. You know? So I feel like maybe he just, yeah, if this is all about like food and stuff, then maybe it's just, yeah, maybe he's just got a larger lady, a larger wife, you know. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If she's totally into it as well. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So then the, uh, the, the casino, instead of obviously putting on a, uh, you know, a lip sync show, mm-hmm. they've um, got an eating show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's an eating contest. They're going for the Guinness World, World Record. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. For, who, for, for what? Who can eat the most donuts in two minutes? Okay. Cool. Mm. Well, the girls, they try their best against the other team, which is from an opposing city, Melbourne. I Are know. these also drag queens? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Don't know who they would be. But well, there's another... So it's the, it's this. So basically, in this in I, I, version... I would, I would say it's another set of three. If those three drag queens in RuPaul's Drag Race have, like... Alter egos, villains, no, or rivals, um, yeah. rivals. Thank you. If they have rivals, that'd be the ideal casting. Do the rivals also have to be like plus sized? They don't need to. Okay, so let me think. I mean, I'm really going into RuPaul's Drag Race. If you don't watch the show, listeners, I apologise. Well, Harry set this up. We can move on from that bit. Sure. Well, okay. Well, yeah. If they, I like the idea that in this one, Alice Springs is just hosting like Australia's speed eating mm. world champ or national championship so I would then say that the rivals win okay sure yeah um, they win and then Fat Hemsworth comes out mm-hmm. and says well done ladies yeah. you, you you did fantastically well you did win mm-hmm. this course okay and then of course the second course is dessert oh okay I see so they keep losing on the mains but they keep pulling it back on the sweets mm-hmm. okay pretty much yeah okay and so uh, yeah Fat Hemsworth brings out uh what, 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 what should it be? So you've already used... Have you, uh, have you used cheesecake and coffee, coffee pie? What, what other desserts do you like? Chocolate cake or... I don't know, cake seems too obvious. Spotted okay. dick. Spotted dick. Oh, camp. Like yeah. That. Good to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so that, so then they've got to eat a lot of spotted dick. Maybe there's another... Wait, what does spotted dick come in? Like a bowl? I think I've not eaten spotted dick in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, they've got to eat a lot of spotted dick, a large amount, mm-hmm. in the quickest time possible. Okay. It's close. It's right down to the line. Like... They win, but like by a couple of spoonfuls. Okay. Oh, so our, our heroines win. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. And then from there, I would say that it's uh, it's kind of down to the line. Like maybe the judges need to come in and say like, okay, well, in the first first course you lost by this much. Oh, is it like a photo finish? Yeah, yeah. But then like opposing team in the in the second course you lost by this much. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're gonna need to like we need to take this away and scan weigh them and you know sure. see you had the most left over in both in, in both courses and it comes back and of course. Our team has won. Sure. Well, maybe the other team, it looks like they've won, but then one of them throws up and, get, and then they get disqualified. Uh, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that works. Yeah. yeah. You've got to keep it down. Mm. Is there going to be any equivalent to the Sun plotline in this? 
Are you not really interested? Oh, in that, I don't no. know how I can build that into this. No. I'd like to, but but it's just what I'm getting from this is that you basically combine Priscilla Queen of the Desert. I was hungry when I was writing. Well, it. yes, yes. But it, yes, obviously, <laughs> but also it's Priscilla Queen of the Desert meets Pitch Perfect. Sure, you know that you know that film is the, the uh, acapella I, I, singers film. I've not seen Pitch Perfect, but I'm assuming you know it's what it is. Essentially, the kind of the kind of plot like Sister Act, where everything is just like. It's like a competition, yeah. Yeah, it's they're a competition like where singers. nobody thinks they're going to win, but then they do, and like the, the, underdogs the school isn't okay with it or whatever. Yes, it seems yeah. like you've done that, which I, I, I can understand. So yeah, mm. and you've just put it it's in the world of competitive eating. Yeah. Not what I aim for at all, but yeah. Well, it seems like that's where you, I mean, correct if I'm wrong. It seems Drag like eating, I think, would be a fantastic thing to oh, watch. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'm so, we should set this up. Yeah. After our honeymoon, we should set this up. <laughs> no. This is, oh, come on. Stop breaking my heart. Um, <laughs> Okay. Any more to this plotline? Uh, that's pretty much it. Okay. So they win, mm-hmm. and then do they, do they go back to Sydney as like hailed as champions? Yeah, I'd say so. Maybe Bernadette does still hang about just to oversee with Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, to, to to oversee a few more eating contests. Okay, sure. Make sure that everybody's eating everything they should. Okay, great. And the other two go back and yeah. set. And now it's suddenly super popular in Sydney, and because they've won, they've brought national attention and pride to it. And, mm-hmm. uh, the film ends with the, you know how the film, the original film ends with like that amazing, crazy face mm-hmm. freeze frame of Hugo Weaving. Maybe this just ends with, well, I was going to say Guy Pearce and Hugo Weaving, but it's actually going to be Darian Lake and Ginger Minns just like shoving their, their faces, faces into, yes. like, into like a giant cake or bowl, oh, yes. or bowl of jelly or something yep. and freeze frame. And then, and then the credits roll over someone like you by Adele or something completely inappropriate like yeah. that. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Susan Boyle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Susan Boyle, I dreamed a dream. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm. Well, that was interesting. It was something different. Priscilla, Queen of the Dessert. I like it. Okay. Did not expect me myself to write that. No, that clearly came from somewhere deep inside. Yeah. So my idea. Great, yeah. It's a bit less kinky, but uh, whatever. Yeah. Cool. We've um, not done the same thing. Wait, no, we haven't. So yours was Priscilla, Queen of the Dessert. That was your title, right? Yes. Just to be clear. Okay. Yes. So mine is a bit more straightforward, because I was just thinking, like... Genuinely, what would happen to these characters 25 years later? So my sequel is just called... I shall save the title. But my sequel picks up 25 years later. Mm -hmm. So 25 years have passed since the end of the original movie. And Tick, a.k.a. Mitzi, a.k.a. Hugo Weaving's character. Are you using all of their names? Sorry. I'm going to be mostly just using Mitzi at this point. Good. So the Hugo Weaving character, Mitzi. She's still working the drag circuit in Sydney. Mm -hmm. Drag has obviously exploded in popularity since the mid-90s, thanks to TV shows such as RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm -hmm. And she's now considered a bit of a legend because she's kind of an old-school, you know, old-school drag diva. She's been doing it for years and years, so she's got a lot of respect on her scene. Yeah. She's probably got her own club now. You know, all the young kids want to work with her. So things are going well. However, she's also a little bit depressed. The only thing the kids want to see these days is contestants from RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm doing like death drops and splits and because if you ever watch Drup- Drupal's if you ever watch <laughs> Drupal's Drag Race now like one thing is that a lot of the lip syncs just involve do you know what a death drop is it's when people like do a jump splits so like they jump into the air I thought so yeah and then they, they basically pound their vaginas onto the stage yeah yeah I don't know how they do it but it seems like that's the only thing like in this film they're just old school lip syncers they're not doing like acrobatics they're just doing mm. they're performing the song mm-hmm. so I feel like She's a little bit depressed that, like, that's where drag is now. Mm-hmm. I think there should be, like, cameos from, like, famous RuPaul's Drag Race girls who are, like, performing on the same stage as her. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're getting all the attention. And then 
everyone's like, why have you never been on RuPaul's Drag Race? And she's like, because I'm the same age as RuPaul. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> she just feels a little bit jaded. And yeah. she's, not, she's a bit you know, disillusioned with the whole business. Yeah. Anyway, one day she gets a call from her son, Benjamin, the, the kid from the original movie, mm-hmm. who she doesn't see a great deal of these days. He ended up going to film school. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's an adult now. Mm-hmm. He ended up going to film school, and he's he's been working out in LA for the past few years, trying to make it as a film director. So they still get on very well, but they just haven't seen a lot of each other. So they've drifted apart a little bit, mm-hmm. basically. Anyway, Benji calls up and says that he's been working on a documentary about the Australian drag scene mm-hmm. and his life growing up with a drag queen for a father. Mm. And so he asks Mitzi if he'd be interested, if she'd be interested in participating in this documentary that he's making. Sure. Mitzi's a little reluctant at first, but ultimately she agrees to the plan because she sees it as, as an opportunity to kind of reconnect with her son. Mm. And you know, obviously he needs this. It's, if this is a documentary about his childhood, if he doesn't participate, it's not going to happen. So yeah. he agrees to do it, but he's got some reservations. And then Benji asks if Mitzi could reach out perhaps to some members of the old gang from back in the day to see if they'd also like to be featured in this documentary, mm-hmm. which is where we're going to get the reunion angle. Mm. So first, uh, Hugo Weaving's character, Mitzi, Tick, whatever, calls up Adam, a.k.a. Felicia, a.k.a. Guy Pierce's character. Sure. Okay. And he's been all over the world since the last film. And the last thing that Tick heard, Adam's been living in Sweden trying to complete his collection of Aberturds. <laughs> Fortunately, when uh, Mitzi calls up, it turns out Felicia has just arrived in Australia to visit his parents, a.k.a. hitting up his mother for money. Mm-hmm. Like he's, only, he's only gone home to go bleed her dry a bit more because in the yeah. original film clearly he was just very manipulative like that yeah so he's got what he wants from his mom and now that that mission's accomplished he's just looking forward to having a bit of fun back in his old stomping ground in sydney where he's not been for like years and years and years because he's been traveling the world just being a fabulous privileged gay mm-hmm. and obviously as a massive attention whore he's also thrilled at the idea of starring in his own documentary mm-hmm. which is how he obviously sees the situation even though no one else thinks it's his documentary yeah but he obviously takes that as being oh it's a story about me so that night, the two drag queens reunite for the first time in years. And I'm thinking that the Guy Pierce character, Felicia, has had a lot of plastic surgery. Like a sure. lot. Yeah, okay. To kind of, I feel like that character would. You know, yeah. Because 25 years has passed. Like, I think Guy Pierce probably is about 50 now, the actor. I guess, yeah. I mean, be. he looks great, but he obviously is, you know, middle-aged. Mm. So I think it'd be really fun to see Guy Pierce playing this character as a character who's had... Because I don't think Guy Pierce has necessarily had a lot of plastic surgery. I think he's just obviously, you know... Mm whatever has aged well yeah but yeah i think it'd be really fun to see like fillers and botox like just because i think guy pierce is the kind of actor who could really like just go for that you know what i mean just really make that funny yeah i agree so i'd like to be good so this character's had like loads and loads of plastic surgery just to kind of try and stay young and he looks like frightful you know mm-hmm. just, just very tucked and tied and tight you know he's got <laughs> facelifts and botox and lip fillers and everything mm-hmm. so you know so Hugo, Hugo Weaving's probably going to be like, what the fuck? But, you know. <laughs> and there's going to be a lot of jokes, you know, catty jokes about that. You know, drag of course, yeah. So that'll be, I think that'll be fun. Yeah. He also succeeded in his ABBA mission. And he now wears an ABBA turd in each earring, one around his neck, and one encased in a giant diamond ring that he wears. Oh, my hand. God. So he's just <laughs> bedecked in ABBA turds. He's mm-hmm. got one for each, because there's four members of ABBA. He's got one for, a turd from each now. Mm-hmm. He just stalked them around the world, got them all. It's uh, great. Yeah, so that's his story. Next up, Mitzi calls Bernadette. Mm-hmm. When she picks up the phone, she sounds distraught. And it's going to be a replay of the scene in the first movie when they first call Bernadette and Trumpets just died. Mm-hmm. So in an exact kind of mirror image of that scene, she picks up the phone. She sounds really upset. Mitzi says something like, are you okay, Bernadette? And Bernadette says, no, I'm not. Bob's just died. Mm. So yeah, Bob, Bill Hunter. Sad because the actor has passed away. He passed away mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. So just to, to write him out. 
we're going to find out that Bob has just died. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's been 25 years. Makes sense. Uh, he's died. Very yeah. sad. And it turns out that Bernadette and Bob stayed together very happily for 25 years, running the casino in Alice Springs together. Mm-hmm. And Bernadette still lives there, out in Alice Springs at this casino. Uh, Bob's funeral is in a week's time. Obviously, Mitzi says she has to be there, and she convinces Felicia that she has to go as well. Mm-hmm. And Benji decides that this could be a great opportunity to feature it as an angle in the documentary. Mm. So thereby, we're setting up a new second road trip for these three characters. Sure. Felicia, Mitzi, and the son, Benji. Okay. Yeah. So first, they have to figure out how to get there, to Alice Springs, from Sydney. Mitzi suggests that they rent a small 4 by 4 but obviously Felicia's like, no way, if we're going to travel, we're going to travel in style. Yeah. So Felicia digs out Priscilla, Queen Ooh, of the Desert, nice. which she's kept in storage for 25 years, just in case such an occasion might arise. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, this bus is, is now 25 years older. It is a right banger. <laughs> it is in a st- It is barely holding it together. Mm-hmm. But they just about managed to get her on the road. And obviously, you know, from the inside, it's going to look much better from the outside. It's going to be all the same kind of jokes. So, mm-hmm. you know. so it's going to be a second road trip, much like the first one, filled with many comical misadventures. There's going to be breakdowns, run-ins in small towns. I think there's going to be a lot of Felicia, like, having dodgy run-ins with men she pulls on Grinder. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can definitely bring in, like, modern, like, apps and gay apps. And, you know, yeah. So lots of totally, yeah. Lots of funny misadventures with that. Just meeting bad men in bad situations, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And I think because Benji, the, the son, is filming a documentary, I think you could have this version of the film. The sequel could be partly in like documentary format, so lots of like breaking the fourth wall, talking to the camera. Mm-hmm. I think that'd make it like different from the first one. Oh yeah, okay. So I that, think that'd be really good. That could work. Yeah, definitely. Along the way, the main plot of the road trip is Mitzi trying to like reconnect with this son that he's not really seen a lot of in the past like twenty years, trying mm. to like you know bond with him, trying to like you know as the road goes on. But Benji seems, like, quite distant for the whole thing. And Mitzi gets increasingly frustrated that the only time they ever talk is on camera. And he's, like, you know, wondering what's really going on with his son, basically. Mm. And then eventually Benji admits that there's something the two of them need to discuss. Mm-hmm. That the main reason he wanted to meet up with his dad and go on this road trip was to tell him that actually Benji has come to the realisation while living out in LA that Benji is actually a transgendered woman. Okay. And she is already living her life that way in... LA and that's she just wants to tell all of her friends and family back at home in Australia so that mm-hmm. she can you know live that life mm. and I think as an audience I'm thinking of this as a film as an audience we're already going to when we see Benji Benji's already going to be wearing kind of like gender neutral clothes but because obviously Hugo Weaving's character Mitzi is from an older generation she's just not picking up on it like mm. she just thinks oh that's how kids hippie there'll be some jokes about it oh, that's how like you know these millennials dress these days Yeah. so she just doesn't twig and then until she's told and then she realises that her son is now a transgendered woman mm-hmm. so I think, I think that'd be an interesting plot line anyway so Benji explains that to her, to her father and even though obviously Mitzi is totally open minded you know she was best friends with Bernadette so she's got nothing against transgendered people mm-hmm. but she's also she has kind of a hard time with this because based on the way Hugo Weaving was in the first film where he was like worried about the effect of his lifestyle on his son at the time I feel like he's going to blame himself for mm. like raising Benji in this kind of environment of, you know, this unconventional environment around like drag queens and gay people and transgender people. Mm-hmm. And so she kind of feels like it might be her fault, basically. And uh, Benji takes that very personally and says that it's not a problem and there's nothing wrong with her. And you know, why should Mitzi feel like it's any, anyone's fault? Because it's not it's not a problem. It's not it's not something to be fixed. It's not mm-hmm. something that should have been avoided. It's just who she is, it's living her truth. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's just, a, the main point of this sequel, I think, is to kind of pay tribute to the different 
strands of the LGBTQ community and how they all exist to each other, which I think the first one did really well. Mm-hmm. But I think it'd be interesting to kind of follow up a little bit. Yeah. So anyway, they end up having a, a big falling out because Benji's very hurt by the fact that Mitzi feels like he did something wrong. And obviously Hugo Weaving just feels bad that he feels like he didn't raise his child in a way that would have given that child the best chance. So they just have a whole falling out and they don't speak for a while. They finish the trip. Oh, I feel like uh, Felicia's going to try and play peacemaker between the two of them, but obviously do a very bad job of it because, you know, she's just a bitch. So she's going to end up just personally offending both of them in very different ways. But, you know. Would they sort of unite over that a little bit? Or? No, no, no. She just makes it worse. She's, okay. not, a good pe- she's not a good peacemaker, mm. is Felicia. Anyway, eventually they get to Alice Springs and reunite with Bernadette, who's now obviously in, in her 80s. Terrence mm-hmm. Stamp is now 80, so mm-hmm. Bernadette's obviously a lot older now. Quite frail, you know, not certainly not a performer anymore, but, you know, living, just living, you know, living her reti- happy retired life, or, you know, mm-hmm. before Bob died, was living her happy retired life, running this casino in Alice Springs. Yeah. And Mitzi kind of confides in Bernadette about the situation with her now daughter, Benji, mm. and, you know, confides and explains that she feels, you know, quite guilty about it and doesn't know how to feel about it and feels like she messed up the relationship, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Just pours her heart out. Yeah. It's been a yeah. nice scene. And then Bernadette kind of responds in a classic Bernadette style, just says, oh, for God's sake, Mitzi, get your head out of your ass. You've been a damn good father to that kid. And what difference does it make either way? Mm. So, you know, she just gives a, a good old talking to, just mm-hmm. straight talking as you'd imagine Bernadette would. Yeah, yeah. And then Mitzi realises that she's been very stupid and she asks her daughter for forgiveness, basically. You know, she explains that she she's sorry she handled it so poorly. She mm-hmm. just had a lot of internalised, you know, self-hate and stuff that was causing her to not see the situation clearly. Yeah. Benji forgives her and they have a lovely father-daughter reconciliation. It's all very, very nice. And then they all attend Bob's funeral. You know, that, that can be like the emotional high point of the film. They have the reconciliation and we have Bob's funeral, you know, all very sad. And then they all go home. But Adam, uh, Adam, sorry, Felicia, then Felicia, the Guy Pierce character, decides, now that Bob's dead, that she is going to stay in Alice Springs as Bernadette's carer, you know, because mm-hmm. now she's very frail. She needs someone to look after her, you know. Mm-hmm. Much to Bernadette's absolute horror. Because mm. what could Bernadette want less than for Guy Pierce's character to just be literally her nursemaid in her final years? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. Like, so she's basically... And that I want to see. Yeah, this, that could be its own movie, exactly. Mm. I mean, that's going to be some good post-credit stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, basically Guy Pearce's character is going to take care of slash torture Bernadette in mm-hmm. her final years and then probably take over the casino. Yeah. So that wraps up her plotline a little bit. And uh, and Benji <laughs> and Mitzi, they head home. Mm. They, and then the documentary comes out. It's a huge success. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it shines a light on this the whole Australian drag scene and this beautiful, like, father-daughter story. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be a really interesting documentary about, like... A child raised by drag queens who then comes out as transgendered and all the different like labels and you know how yeah. they do. I think that would actually be a really good documentary. Yeah, it really would. So it's got potential, definitely. Maybe it wins an Oscar. It does anyway. It does really well. Wow, wow. I'm Sorry, just, John. Did you just finish at one of your pitches and like oh, maybe it wins an Oscar? Maybe, maybe this pitch wins an Oscar. Who knows? <laughs> maybe yeah. I deserve an Oscar. Maybe I've mm. come up with an Oscar-winning story here. Mm. Uh, anyway, the documentary is, is successful and it pushes Mitzi back into the spotlight even mm-hmm. more so. So the film's going to end with Mitzi Delbra making her triumphant comeback. Headlining Sydney Pride mm-hmm. on the parade, doing a classic lip sync with no splits, no death drops, just giving you classic drag, and all the audience cheering and applauding. And you know, Benji's going to be somewhere looking on proudly as a daughter. And mm-hmm. then the credits are going to roll over some, like I said, inappropriately modelling song, like someone like you by Adele or um, mm-hmm. something. I don't know. But sure. Yeah, just some power ballad. Yeah. You know? But and that is the Adventures of Priscilla Queen of the Desert Two. Priscilla rides again. Nice. Priscilla rides again. Priscilla rides again, yeah. Very good. Thank you. I was quite proud of that one. I thought I had a good angle. Yeah, Yeah, no, well, well. 
All right, so should we do some listen submissions? Yep. Have you got any this week? Uh, I actually don't, actually. So um, apparently the, the groups I post in that uh, like comic book movies and stuff like that. Are homophobes? Yeah, all, all of them. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Horrible, uh, horrible people. Yeah, the worst people in the world. Okay. Well, I've had better luck, so here are a few of mine. Okay. Okay, so Kelly Boyd said, A Mike Lee-style kitchen sink dramedy about Bernadette and her husband and their new life in rural Australia. I'd like to see that, yeah. Mike Carey said, Priscilla, Empress of Space. I can see that working. Go big or go home, I guess. Spencer Cop said, Priscilla, Fury Road. Jed Jong said, The same movie, but it's Red Skull, Aldrich Killian and General Zod. Josh Nolette said, Lisa Marie, First Air of the Desert. Aaron Aitchison said, The same movie, but they take out the racist character. I saw it for the first time when a local theatre played it for Pride last weekend and absolutely loved it, except for that part. You and me both, Aaron. Brad Stone said, Priscilla 2, Just Desserts. And Frederick Jensen said, The Further Adventures of Priscilla. This time we might even be allowed to kiss. Okay, so those are our listener submissions for The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. If you have any sequel ideas for The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, God, it's a mouthful, then, um, then please let us know. You can find us at beyondtheboxset.com. Our podcast is available on all good podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, anything you like. Wherever you can find podcasts, we should be there. If we're not, let us know and we'll get on there. You can also reach out to us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Beyond the Box Set or mm. at Beyond the Box Set on Twitter. Our merchandise is available exclusively on tpublic.com. Just go to tpublic.com and search Beyond the Box Set. Mm. And you can also support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash Beyond the Box Set. Brilliant. Okay. And so uh, next week, I believe it is a Patreon episode. Ooh, another Patreon, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So next week, we'll be joined by Lee Agney, who is going to be doing. Chronicle. Have you seen this yes. one, John? I have not. I'm excited to watch it. Yeah. It's a film that totally passed me by at the time. I've heard good things. Mm-hmm. I believe it's a found footage kind of, or handheld. I think it sort of is, yeah. I believe it's going to be one of our first sort of true superhero, no, super-powered films. Okay. Um, but yeah, a lot of those are kind of out of our ballpark because obviously they're all franchise. So many sequels, yeah. <laughs> so this will be and interesting. Obviously this is something that I've been trying to get into for a while on this podcast and it's mm-hmm. been so difficult and yeah, finally somebody's picked this film. I think the other option is Hancock, which is a Will Smith film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure where, we'll get to it. Where he's like a drunk superhero or something. It is a bad film. It, that's not necessarily going to put me off. No, it's... It, is it, it just boring? You would not enjoy it either. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not it's, silly bad, it's just bad bad. It's just bad bad. Okay. There must be other failed superhero movies we can do at some point, though. There must be, but they're so rare. True. They're so well, rare. Well, so rare for them not to be good. Yeah, because anything that's good gets more because... You know, why wouldn't it? It's, it's, the, the world is always so open. Sure. Somehow, this one has not, so we'll have to wait and see what this one is like. So, listeners, do please join us next week for Chronicle, and we will find out if it is good or bad. Indeed. If it deserves sequels or not. Yeah. Guess we'll find out next week. So, yeah, join us then for Chronicle. Until then, see you next week. Bye. See you next week. Bye. What are you telling me? This is an abba turd?